0: Good evening, everyone. Welcome to tonight's Bible study. We'll begin by singing hymn 770. So uh, Etienne, I think, will, will play the hymn for us. And then uh, we can hopefully touch the throne of grace. <laughs> Hallelujah, that grace as a river can flow.
1: Grace. So
0: as we're listening, I hope Was we you can just sing together. Was yeah, just one sing.
2: Hallelujah. Oh, Amen. me, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Races, the river shall flow. Amen. me, rain. Races, the river shall flow. Amen.
1: More in us, Lord. Lord. Amen. 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 Amen.
2: Amen. open up. Amen. Amen. Through us. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: Hallelujah. We can touch the living
0: fountain of life. Amen.
1: Amen. Hallelujah,
2: we can take the throne of glory. Amen. So Amen. Grace. Amen. 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 God grant the light, grant so the light of glory to get. flow through us oh, and shine through us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Grace as
1: a river shall flow.
0: Oh, amen.
1: Amen. 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 Amen.
2: Amen. Oh Jesus. What does that mean? Jesus. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. <laughs> in the holiest place, living before His face. Amen. Oh, amen. 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 To the spirit turn, and the incense burn, the living fountain of life. Amen. And the incense burn. Amen. 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 Amen.
1: That's the living fountain of life. Hallelujah.
2: Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Light of glory through us will shine. Amen. 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 To the spirit and the incense
1: burn. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, grace
2: yeah. as a river shall flow. Amen. Amen. That's right. That's right. Amen. 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 In light of
0: glory, that. we, we, we shall shine. Amen. 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 I just appreciate what the Lord did for us. That on the cross today, the way is open for each one of us to come forward. And this is really the call in the book of Hebrews is to come forward. And when we come forward, we can touch the throne of grace. We are not just uh, here for some, um, oh Lord Jesus, for some religious activity, for a Bible study in a way of wanting to gain more knowledge or wanting to become deeper or more spiritual Christians. No, we want to touch the throne. We want to actually touch the throne of grace. And then what will happen is grace will, our uh, grace as a river will flow. And even in the, in, in the Old Testament, when the high priest went into the Holy of Holies, there was the Shekinah glory of God. He could actually be in God's presence in a way. But today, Hallelujah the veil is rent we can come forward and we can love before his face we don't have to go in and wait for once a year like the high priest and only the high priest could go in today we're all uh, uh the priests right and we can all enter in and love before his face and not only can we live before his face but we also touch a living fountain of life so i know it's hard we're on zoom we uh we, you know, we can't see one another. Um, well, maybe you can switch on your video and we can see one another a little bit, but, but it's it's hard. But still, I encourage us all, we want to touch the living fountain of life. Let's sing this hymn again and let's exercise to really come forward tonight, to come forward from, from our day, from everything that holds us back, from all the things that we're occupied with, all these things, dear saints, we want to come forward and we actually want to touch God. We want to live in his face, live before his face and have a river flow through our being. So let's not just sing this, but let's really endeavor to come forward and touch the living fountain. Okay, uh, it, you can play it for us.
1: Amen. Lord Jesus Amen. Amen. Hallelujah
2: Amen. Hallelujah Touch the living fountain of life Oh Lord Amen. Jesus We want Amen. to touch The living fountain of Amen. life Tonight Amen, Amen. Amen. That's Amen. why we want to touch The throne of grace Amen. Amen. So that Shall flow
0: Amen. 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 <laughs> well, saints, maybe we can continue to touch this living fountain uh, by reading the Bible. Hallelujah. For God's word. So we're going to cover Hebrews chapter 10 tonight. In our groups, we can read uh, the whole of chapter 10. It's 39 verses. So maybe let's use the 10 minutes. I think we need a bit more time tonight. If you finish through all the verses, then you can just have a bit of prayer together in your group or something. And then, um, yeah, so it's quite long. So Etienne, you can uh, break us up, please, for 10 minutes. And then uh, we can read Hebrews chapter 10 from verse 1 to
2: 39. Amen. Uh, We come to, to chapter 10 of Hebrews, a, uh, a wonderful section, as you probably could remember, because we, we didn't have a, uh, a fellowship last week, just to quickly remind us, the section we are dealing with in Hebrews, this is, remember, now we have come to a, uh, beginning from chapter seven onward, the book of Hebrews has a different tone. I would say it has a tone that is not earthly, but the tone is heavenly. The tone is one that is not on the ground floor, but the tone in the book of Hebrews is on the, I would say, uh, pass through the heavens, uh, using the words in the book of Hebrews. Uh, And we saw that in this section, we come to the ministry of Christ in its heavenly aspect. Not only does he have a heavenly ministry, but his ministry is of a different order it's an order of Melchizedek, which means his priesthood is divine and kingly. It is unending. It is perpetual. Unlike the Aaronic priesthood, which was um, uh, the priests, uh, they would come uh, time after time, generation after generation. But our Christ is perpetual. So he's a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. So not only in the in the heavenly ministry uh, of Christ do we have this aspect, but also in this heavenly ministry there is a better covenant, a better covenant. Uh, this covenant is enacted with better promises, and it also has better sacrifices. Uh, what we spoke about um, last time in in the in the section of chapter nine in Hebrews, we saw that this Christ with his better sacrifice, with his better uh, covenant, with a better ministry, he is ministering not in an earthly tabernacle, but in a tabernacle that is heavenly. The tabernacle in which he's ministering is not made with hands, but it's one that is heavenly. Um, If you consider the uh, furniture of the tabernacle, which was earthly, the furniture, the arrangement of the furniture was a help, a pointer, helping us how to experience the heavenly ministry of Christ. You know, in the heavenly ministry of Christ, we, can, we, we see, uh, uh, I should say, in the arrangement of the furniture of the tabernacle in the Old Testament, this helps us to experience Christ in his heavenly ministry. Christ today, He's not ministering in the outer court, where there's there's the dealing, uh, uh, the the altar of burnt offering, where there's shedding of blood. Neither is not at the uh, labor where there's the washing uh, of, of, of of the of the uh, oldness, the, uh, youth, uh, the the earthly contact. There's not only that washing, but moreover, we see that. Christ has gone on from the outer court and has entered the holy place. Even further, he has gone from the holy place to the holy of holies. So this book, in the book of Hebrews, we are being called to come forward from the outer court to the holy place to enjoy uh, the bread. In the holy place, there was the bread uh, at at the table. Not only was there the bread, but there was also uh, the light of the lampstand. Yes, we may enjoy these, but the book of Hebrews says, uh, brothers, that's not enough. Yes, yes, you have come forward. You have made a great progress coming from the outer court to enjoy the bread. But brothers and sisters, there's more. There's the light. There's the shining. You know, I enjoy tonight. We sang that hymn uh, in the holiest place. Live before His face, light of glory through us will shine. How about this? You know, I don't know if you've had load shedding or not, but whether you have or not, when we are enjoying Christ as the light, light of glory through us shines out. I, I, I'm, I'm so impressed with this. But yes, the bread is amazing. We need more than the bread. We need the light. We might say, okay, we've we enjoyed the light. That's good enough. Actually, brothers and sisters, according to the book of Hebrews, the bread and the light, even that's not enough. We need to again cross another river, come forward. Where do we come forward to? We need to come forward to the altar of, uh, of incense, the golden altar. Uh, the golden altar is uh, I like to think about it as, a, as an usher. If you've ever been to a meeting uh, or a conference meeting, you, you might see some brothers, they have uh, stickers that says an usher. Those brothers are just standing at the threshold. One foot is outside the meeting and the other foot is inside the meeting and they are helping us to get into the meeting. That is what the golden altar is. It's ushering us into the holy of holies. When we get inside the holy of holies, there's not so much. There's only the ark. We might say, wow, I've made it into the holy of holies. Maybe that for us is is good enough. But according to the book of Hebrews, no, even that is not good enough. We need to not only get into the holy of holies, but we need to get into the ark. When we get into the ark, what was inside the ark? Inside the ark, there was the golden pot. Brothers and sisters, you know, uh, the outer court signifies our body. The holy place signifies our soul. The holy of holies signifies our spirit. I hope we would desire to have such an A deep experience of being in our spirit, not just to be in the Holy of Holies, but to get into the ark. Lord, I want to get into the depths of my spirit. Not only get into the ark, but get into the pot. Oh, praise the Lord. I I just appreciate it that we need to plunge into the depths of our spirit. Uh, Live before his face. What is inside the the, the golden pot? Inside the golden pot, there was the rod, Aaron's biting rod. There was the hidden manna, but there was also the tablets of the law, of the testimony. Those tablets are a picture of the law of life. I hope we would get into our spirit to such an extent that we would enjoy the law of life. This is what God is aiming for. We might be happy to be in the holy place. God is not happy with that. We might be happy just to be in the holy of holies. God is not happy. He wants us to get into the depths of our spirit, to come forward, until we enjoy the law of life. This law of life is what is being imparted into every part of our being so that God's goal could be accomplished. I, I, I hope, oh, I hope this, I'm just desirous of, Lord, I want to enjoy my spirit to such an extent. Um, you know, we would, we would learn to live in our spirit. We, we, have, a, uh, we have a tendency of, of coming out of our spirit. You know, maybe in a meeting, we, we get into our spirit. But at the end of the meeting, we have the tendency of coming out. You know, every time we have a meeting, all the saints, when they share, they are like ushers, ushering us. Brother, get out of your soul. Get into your spirit. But when, we, when the meeting ends, oh, it's so easy for us to, to just leave our spirit. Well, we need to have this impression that God has this desire to to impart his laws into our being. This begins from our spirit. And as the law of life spreads, functions, and operates, this one law of life becomes the many laws that are being imparted into every part of our being, our mind, emotion, our will. Oh, I'm, I'm like, Lord, Oh, we would have such a a pressing on, such a crossing. I want to stay in my spirit. Allow the law of life to function, to carry out God's intention. When this law of life functions, it automatically gives us an ability to know God. This is what God had promised. This is the better covenant. Um. That the, the Lord would impart the laws of life, not the laws of letter, but the law of life. And this law would give us an ability to know God inwardly, to know God in life. This is when this law operates, it gives us this ability to know God. Not only do we know God, we become his people and he becomes our God. This this is God's goal. Anything short of this, um, no matter how good it is, even if it's God-ordained, is not enough. It's to fall short of the goal. God wants us to come forward into the Holy of Holies. However, we might say because of our experience and because of our background, it is very difficult for us to appreciate this. Uh, It is very difficult for us to go on. Actually, I would say the first part of Hebrews 10, verses one through 18, they are a repetition. You may have read some parts, it seems to be repeating itself. I have come to do your will, O God. It, It just seems to be repeating itself, but actually this is a repetitious conclusion. What the writer has dealt with up to so far, he repeats again that Christ has dealt with our sin. In God's eyes, sin is no more. If you don't believe me, you can look at verse 3 of chapter 1. That thought is already, in chapter 1, is already there, that concerning sin Christ, he has accomplished this and he has sat down. So in God's eyes, sin is no more. It's no more. He has dealt with it. However, because of our traditions, because of our uh, our baggage, our history, it is hard for us to take this word. So we need such a repetition in the book of Hebrews. This is what chapter 10, the first part of chapter 10 is helping us with. So if you, if you get lost in the details, remember this. The main point of Hebrews chapter one, sorry, Hebrews 10 verses one through 18 is that Christ has dealt with sin. Because he has dealt with sin, there's no need of sacrifices. This is why verse 18 ends in this way. It says, uh, there is no longer an offering for sin because in God's eyes, sin has been dealt with. So the writer is helping us uh, because sin is something that is quite uh, strong in most Christians' lives. Most Christians, um, uh, we are very uh, sensitive to it it's it's something that uh, we, we we likely to gravitate to it um, but but in god's eyes sin has been dealt with actually even in the covenant you will notice that sin is mentioned the dealing of sin is mentioned at the end of of, of the uh, of the covenant the important thing in the new covenant are the first three things is that God will impart his laws, and by imparting his laws into our being, these laws will cause us to know him inwardly in a way of life, and this will cause us to be his people, and he will be our God. That is the primary thing. That is the primary thing. But because of our baggage, because of our background, because of our tradition, especially traditional understanding among Christians, there's this supplement that okay, I will I will your sin I will by no means remember anymore. So that is the main thought in Hebrews ten verses one through eighteen is that sin has been dealt with, and Christ has replaced the offerings. Okay, so let, let's let's read uh, because of time. Let's read, I will just go through some of the verses to highlight some important points. Is that in verse one, it says, for the law having a shadow of the good things to come. So this is what the old covenant had. It had the law, and the law only had shadows. The law only had shadows of the good things to come. Uh, It wasn't the image of the things themselves. Actually, the good things of God's economy is just Christ himself. So the law had shadows. But brothers and sisters, Christ has come. I agree the shadow has the same shape as the reality. But the shadow is not the reality. Christ, the reality, has come. I I just appreciate this, this. Yes, the sacrifices, the offerings, they were shadows of the offering of Christ. But now that Christ has come, brothers and sisters, we have nothing to do with the Old Testament, with Judaism. Rather, what we should be focused on is the covenant, allowing the law of life to spread, to to grow, uh, to a, a... Anyway, my my point is, in God's view, this this section is to help us to realize that actually sin has been dealt with. Sin is history. Uh, We will will get to this later on. Uh, And so the first important point is that the law had shadows. I, I hope none of us would treasure shadows. We would learn to treasure the reality. And because the law had shadows, uh, later on in verse 1, it says, it could never, by the same sacrifices, year by year, perfect us. The law, the, the, the sacrifices are offered according to the law in the Old Testament could never perfect us. You know, the offering of the uh, bulls, no matter how big they were, no matter how often they were, they could never take care of our conscience. But if you look at Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, it asks, how much more shall the blood of Christ purify our conscience from dead works?" How about this? The, the, the bulls and the, the, the goats, and the, even if you were poor, you had uh, pigeons, they could never perfect our conscience. But one offering, one, the, the real offering it has taken away It has cleared our conscience so we may serve the living God. So so those two points in in, in verse one is that the law had shadows and it could never perfect the worshiper. No matter matter how many times, uh, those sacrifices could never perfect us. And uh, in verse two, it says, otherwise, if it could perfect us, then the offering of these sacrifices would have stopped. If the sacrifices were really effective, they would have stopped. But the fact that they were offering them day by day, even year by year at the Day Day of Atonement, this is proof that it could never perfect us. Brothers and sisters, it is foolish to go back. Those things could never perfect us. They could never make us God's people. They could never cause us to know God inwardly. Oh, wow. But Christ, um, um, oh, so, so in, in actually in the offering, uh, this is another point in verse three, the, 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 the continual offering of these sacrifices, instead of taking sin away, it rather, brought them back to memory. It it brought a remembrance. This is what in verse three it says, that in those sacrifices, there is a bringing to mind of sins year by year. You know, uh, this is quite difficult. Um, I I don't know if we we will have time. It is very hard for us to forget our sins. We may enjoy the Lord forgiving our sins, but it is very difficult for us to forget them. Actually, in the Old Testament, that the the in Judaism, there was just a bringing up again and again. They were never taken away. Actually, at best, they were covered. We have had a fellowship on this. But when Christ came and offered himself, he dealt with sin. He Sin is no more in the eyes of God, sin has been dealt with. What is left now is the imparting of the laws of life. Essentially, we could say Christ has done two things for God's economy. He has taken away sin. That's the first thing he has done. That was his first manifestation. And is and secondly, he has imparted the law of life into our being. You, if anybody asks you, what are the two works of Christ? In simple, he has taken sin away and he has imparted the law of life into us. Oh, I, I hope we would have this, this view. Uh, our baggage, our background is very, is, that's why the book of Hebrews has to repeat again and again because our background has a strong hold over us. We might even ask the Lord, Lord, but what about my sins? Even though the Lord says, your sin I will remember anymore. We might say, but I remember them. Brothers and sisters, we need to realize and and, and take God's view. The New Testament, I would like to emphasize this. The New Testament is not a book of promises. The New Testament is a book of uh, bequests. What that means is it's a book of accomplished facts. Oh, oh Lord Jesus, when you get a chance tonight, go and look at the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation, let me ask you, think about it. it is is it a book of promises? prophecies or of accomplished facts? Just consider for a second. Does the book of Revelation say, uh, brothers and sisters, I will build the new Jerusalem? Actually, the book of Revelation reveals the new Jerusalem. It shows us an accomplished fact. My point is in God's, we need to take God's view that what all these things that that is spoken to us they are accomplished facts. We need to let go of tradition, uh, our history, and 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 uh, and and take God's view. This this vision will enable us to cross yet again another river. To give you an example, uh, recently I was I was reading Isaiah. Uh, 53. If you read Isaiah 53, it is the, uh, the famous uh, prophecy. If you read that book, that, that chapter, you might ask yourself, it was in the past? Is it a prophecy? What, what is Isaiah 53 talking about? Uh, let me just read one verse. I think this will be helpful to all of us. Um, because we need to realize that the New Testament is a book of accomplished facts. So this is what Isaiah um, um, 2, let me me read verses 2 and 3. For he grew up like a tender plant before him. Notice this book was written before Christ came, but it says he grew up. He doesn't say he will grow up. He grew up. So is Isaiah a prophecy or an accomplished fact? Okay, verse three. He was despised and forsaken of men. It doesn't say he will be despised. Maybe when you read this book, you say he will be despised. But this says He was, oh, we need to take God's view that the Bible is a book of bequests, accomplished facts. This is what the Lord, this is what we need to appreciate that we have a covenant, not a book of promises. It's a Testament brothers and sisters. Today we need to come forward. Oh, Lord Jesus, this, oh, okay. Oh, Lord Jesus. I hope we would have a a, a bit of uh, light that in in the the New Testament, the reason why we, we come forward is because God has accomplished. We're not coming forward to accomplish something. We're coming forward because God has accomplished and all these accomplishments have been given to us as our bequests. They are our right. Oh, Lord Jesus. Okay, maybe because of time, um, we we need to go on. So, we we need to have this view that Christ has accomplished everything. Sin has been dealt with. Okay, I will continue. Um, And it says in verse um, 4 that it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. It simply is impossible. It cannot take away sin. OK, therefore, coming into the world, he says, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. This is God's view. Actually, God has not desired the sacrifices. This is not what God wants. Um, So, because of this, uh, I will jump down. It says, um, uh, where it says, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. This is what Christ has done. He has come to do the will of God. I should say that's verse 9. Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. What is the will of God in this verse? It is to take away the first. That he may establish the second. He takes away the sacrifices, all the sacrifices of the Old Testament. God's desire has always been to take them away. This was the will of God. So when Christ came, not only did he terminate the sacrifices, but he replaced them. He takes away the first. Those are the first sacrifices of the Old Testament, which can never take away sin, which means. God's economy is still frustrated, but he he takes away the first so that he may establish the second. That is the new covenant where Christ, his blood, sacrificed, uh, poured out once, takes away our sins. Oh, this is the will of God. This is what God had, had, had been aiming for. Oh, Lord Jesus, he takes away the first that he may establish the second. Um, and uh because of this will, uh, verse 10, it says, By which will we have been sanctified? We saw earlier in verses one and two that the sacrifices could not perfect the, the worshiper because the sacrifices could not take away sin. But we see here by Christ offering himself as the unique sin offering. He has sanctified us. How about this? Christ has taken sin away and brought us to God. The sacrifices, they could never take sin away. So we could never be sanctified to God. But Christ, having offered himself once for all, he has taken away sin and he has brought us to God. Oh, again, I would ask you, maybe after this, read this book, you would see that um, uh, the the book says, we have been sanctified. In the book of Hebrews, in God's thought, it's done. We have been sanctified. Oh, Lord Jesus. Um, Anyway, um, moreover, when Christ offered Himself, this is uh, this is a very important verse. Uh, in verse eleven, uh, I'm sorry, verse twelve. Not only did Christ offer Himself once for all, as far as sin is concerned, He sat down at the right hand of God. He sat down at the right hand of God. Today, Christ is not. Dealing with sin. Sin is history. He has taken care of sin. Therefore, he sat down. You know, we sit down once the job is done. So in the same way, concerning sin, Christ, he sat down. So let me ask you, brothers and sisters, which priest do you want? The one who are continually standing, offering sacrifices again and again, or the one who sat down? (laughs) How about this? I, I hope we would have an appreciation concerning what the Lord has done. This is a bequest to us. This is, this is what the Lord gives us in our, in our testament. You know, the, when, we, when we have a will, suppose we have a will of a family member, the will has, does not have promises of what the person will do. The will always contains things that have been accomplished, but they are now being given. You know, if I, if for instance, uh, a family member said, uh, Hector, uh, here's a will. Uh, When I die, I promise you, I will give you, I will build for you a house. After my death, I will build you a house and I I will buy for you a car. I will simply tell that family member, Uh, I'm sorry, I don't like your will, because that will is too much work. I still need to do something. This will has no accomplished facts. Nothing is accomplished. That's why in the New Testament, actually, everything has been accomplished. That's why Christ has sat down at the right hand of God. Everything is accomplished. Oh, Lord Jesus. Okay. Uh, time, time is, is, uh, is not on our side, but I, I hope we would have this kind of an impression, a realization of that what we have in the book of Hebrews are not promises. Actually, not only in the book of Hebrews, but in the New Testament. We don't have promises of what God will do. We have bequests of what God has done. This is what this is what this is the view we need to realize. Uh, so this is why in, in the latter verses, verses 15, 16, and 17, again the word is repeated. I will impart my laws into their uh, into their mind, uh, uh, into their hearts, and upon their mind I will inscribe them. This has been accomplished by Christ's death. He has imparted the law of life in us. Now, what we need to do is to enjoy the bequests. This is how, this is what this is what's on the Lord's heart. Not to go back to sacrifices which actually don't accomplish God's economy, but we need to be those who are enjoying the law of life. So to go back to sacrifices, what, what does that mean? What, what, what's the use? What's the use of going back to uh, 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 sacrifices? Um, You know, we might want to, uh, many a time, I used to struggle. Whenever there's an altar call, I wanted to go there. Because there's just in me, there's this, I don't think God has really forgiven me. Even if he has forgiven me, I, I don't think he has forgotten. That's why Hebrews again mentions Verse seventeen: Their sins and their lawlessness, I shall by no means remember anymore. Oh, I, 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 think because of time, I, I will, I will, I will stop here and then allow brother Adrian to continue. Amen.
0: Amen. <laughs> Thank you, brother. I was enjoying your sharing. I didn't think you are going to stop so quickly. <laughs> but uh, praise the Lord for what we have in the book of Hebrews. Saints, so I'm very thankful for this book and getting into it with you. I really feel it's such a timely word for us. And may we all um, be those who take heed to this word, who are able to enter into this word. And even in a way, I feel we need to, I don't know what's the right word, apply this word. We want to be the river crosses. So um, I'm going to cover verses 19 to 39. And in this section, the heading uh, in the Recovery Version Bible, it says, the fourth warning, come forward to the Holy of Holies and do not shrink back to Judaism. So here's a warning for us as, as, as believers to come forward. We should not be those who shrink back. Actually, these are in contrast to one another. The one is coming forward and the other one is shrinking back. So actually, you know what? Either we are coming forward or we will be shrinking back. We can't be in between. We can't say, well, I'd like to shrink back a little bit but I'd also like to be in the Holy of Holies. No, there's either a coming forward or there is a shrinking back. And so in the book of Hebrews, it mentions this matter of coming forward uh, four times. The first time is in chapter four, verse 16. And there it says, come forward to the throne of grace. This is where we need to come forward to. We need to come forward to the throne of grace. Oh, I enjoyed us coming forward to the throne of grace in chapter four. There's a throne today. It's the throne that is of grace. It's where we receive grace. Um, We can come forward to this throne. And then in chapter 7, verse 25, and also in chapter 11, verse 6, we come forward to God. Okay, so we're coming forward to the throne, but we're also coming forward to God. And then in chapter 10, verse 22, we are told to come forward and This verse, uh, you will notice that it says, let us come forward to the Holy of Holies. And in the recovery version, uh, Holy of Holies is in italics. It's showing us that actually those words are not in the original Greek. But if you go and read the context of what this writer is writing this in, then you'll realize he is very much talking about coming forward to the Holy of Holies. This is what we need to be entering into. So these, these three things, the the throne of grace, God, and the Holy of Holies, these three are really the same thing that God wants us to come forward to. And uh, then there's actually a fourth one that is kind of uh, like a symbol of this, and that is the new covenant. So we spoke uh when we were in chapter nine, and, and he Hector also spoke about this, there were these two tabernacles. There was the, the first one, and there was the second one. The first tabernacle was a symbol of the old covenant. And isn't it so wonderful to know what this really is? In the first, uh, in the first one, it's and it's referred to as the holy place. In the holy place, you had you had the showbread table, you had the lampstand. And those things were uh, types. It was not like Hector was saying. It wasn't the reality. But in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, we have the Holy of Holies, which is the second tabernacle, which is full of the reality. In this place, if we come forward to the Holy of Holies, you know what we find there? We find the throne of grace. Who's upon the throne? It's God. So you have the throne of grace upon which God sits. You have God's very presence. So we come forward to to this Holy of Holies, where we find the throne of grace, where we find God. And here is the new covenant age, the new covenant dispensation. So this is the kind of the the scenery that we want to enter into. Oh, brothers and sisters, I hope the Lord will open our eyes that we will see this is what we what God desires for us to enter into. He wants us to live in this place. It's not a matter of outward environments. It's not a matter of what's happening in, in so many places or, or in our lives. The question tonight is, dear brothers and sisters, where are you? Where are you? Are you in this? Are you in the second tabernacle? Are you in the holy of holies? Are you in the, uh, at the throne of grace? Are you where God is, where his presence is? Is this where you find yourself? Oh, Lord Jesus, you know what happens in this scenery? God's administration is being carried out here. God's covenant is being carried out in and through us being in the Holy of Holies. So God's purpose cannot be accomplished if we are not if we are shrinking back and we are not coming forward if we keep shrinking back and and wondering all these things oh what about my sin is it I, I, maybe i should have another sacrifice was the blood of christ enough maybe there should be another sacrifice what if god remembers my sin what if my sins are still with me can i enter into i mean the holy of holies is there you'll find god the high priest only went in there once a year So it's a very, very, very significant place. And it's a very particular place. But brothers and sisters, where are we today? Are we those who are coming forward where God's purpose? You know what? The Holy of Holies is not just a matter of salvation, nor is it a matter merely of being glorified. But the Holy of Holies is for God's purpose. So brothers and sisters, we are here tonight. And I hope that each one of us will have an impression in our being. Lord, this is the place where your economy, where your administration, where you are carrying out what is in your heart and where you will fulfill your heart's desire. Lord, I want to be in this place. I don't want to be shrinking back. Being where? Why would I, would I shrink back? The Jews, they had the promises. I think it's in Ephesians chapter 2 where it says that they had the promises and we were the Gentiles. And we were without God. We were without hope in the world. We had nothing, really. They at least had the promises. But you know what? They still didn't have the Holy of Holies. They were still not in the reality. But today, we Gentiles, we who were far off, we were without God. We were in in a place of no hope we had no hope in this world we didn't have god we now have access okay so brothers and sisters let's take heed to this warning and not be those who shrink back not be those who who stagger who want to go back to the to the shadows to the types but who wants to be in the reality, who wants to be in the second tabernacle, who wants to be in God's presence, who wants to have God's, the throne of grace that meets all our supply. Oh, like that hymn that we sang, to the holiest come, our grace as a river shall flow. I hope, dear brothers and sisters, even right now, grace as a river will flow into us. And we will just experience the Lord's dispensing through which he can carry out what is in his heart and his economy. Amen. Okay, so now I'll mention 10 points related to us uh, coming forward and not shrinking back. Okay, and and we'll just go through the verses uh, in this section as we go through this. So uh, the first point It's not really one of the verses, but something really covered in chapter nine is that the first tabernacle, the holy place, it is a figure. So it is not the reality. It is a shadow. The second point is that the second tabernacle, which is the holy of holies, being realized by the new covenant dispensation. So today we are no longer in the figure, in the shadow, but we are in the second tabernacle in the Holy of Holies, in the in the New Covenant, this is where God's uh, New Covenant is being carried out. This is this these these bequests that have been made to us, not just promises, but things that have already been accomplished by God on our behalf. Okay, so the third point is that the Old Covenant are being are being terminated, and the New Covenant dispensation having been inaugurated so what does this mean well it basically just means that the old covenant through Christ's death and his resurrection he has terminated the entire old creation the old covenant today even even some dear believers of the Lord Jesus who has genuinely been saved and genuinely being regenerated wants to keep hanging on to the law, to the old covenant. They want to go back. And so what is happening is they are they are they are not in the things that God is has already terminated. He has terminated that. He's brought in a new age. And as soon as we are entering into what Christ has inaugurated, in other words, in his Through his resurrection, he has brought in. Now, through his resurrection, it has been given. It's already what he has accomplished has now been given. Everything that the Lord is and everything that he has done has been completed. He has been perfected. So, dear brothers and sisters, here now, through this environment now, the Lord is able to uh, to bring in the new covenant. Okay, now the fourth point is that the way to enter into the hallelujahs have been cut, okay? So the way has been opened. And here uh, we come to verse 90 of the book of Hebrews uh, chapter 10. Okay, so it says, having therefore, brothers, boldness, For entering into the Holy of Holies in the blood of Jesus. So the blood of Jesus has opened the way for us to enter. Okay? There's a way to enter. And what is this way to enter? This way to enter is our spirit. That's why we need to be in our spirit. Like Hector said, we're in a meeting. We're enjoying the Lord. The the ushers are ushering us into our spirit. The brothers and sisters, they're just ushering us, right? They're just bringing us to the spirit. And in the spirit, all these things are being made real to us. So the way to enter into the Holy of Holies tonight and even tomorrow and even every moment of the day is our spirit. That's what is mentioned in chapter 4. Let me just quickly go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, I think. Uh, there clearly it, it speaks about the word of God is living and operative and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing even to the dividing of soul and spirit. So here there needs to be this dividing taking place within us. That's why even this, I believe this writer is writing this book, they're writing this letter to the Hebrew saints. He's writing it to them so that there would be a dividing between their soul and their spirit. There would be a way for them. They would become clear concerning their spirit and their soul, so that they can enter into the Holy of Holies. Okay, now let's go to verse 20. It says, which entrance he initiated for us as a new and living way through the veil that is his flesh. So I just quickly want to read the footnote here on uh, the word veil in verse 20. It says, This is the second veil within the tabernacle. So in the tabernacle, there was the first veil that gave you access to the holy place. And so that inside of the holy place, they had the showbread table and they had the golden lampstand. And then they had the golden incense altar, which in the book of Hebrews is really in the holy of holies. Okay. So. We see that that, anyway, I'm not going to get into that right now. Okay, so, but anyway, there's a second veil. Then there was a second veil, and that veil was the separation between the holy place and the holy of holies. Okay, now it says, within the, uh, which veil typifies the flesh of Christ. When Christ's flesh was crucified, this veil was rent. So in Matthew 27, verse 51, it says that the veil was rent from top to bottom. Okay, so this shows us that what there was not something done by man, it was not something done by uh, the earth, right, we know that men crucified the Lord, but really, it was God himself who tore open, who made this, this veil, who rent the veil from top to bottom, okay, thus opening the way for us, those who are who were alienated from God, who is signified by the tree of life, so God is signified by the tree of life, we were separated from the tree of life, To enter into the Holy of Holies, to contact him and to take him as the tree of life for our enjoyment. This implies that because our old man was crucified with Christ, we have an open way to contact and enjoy God in our spirit as our life and life supply. Okay, so this new and living way was open now. Now the Lord, through dying on the cross, by coming in the flesh, he has rent the veil. And so now this veil is no longer there. Even on the veil, there were the cherubim, right? And in, in, in uh, I think it's Ezekiel, the cherubim were the creatures. So it signifies that God has dealt with all the, the, the whole old creation. He has torn open that veil and opened the way for us to have an entrance. An entrance into the holy of holies. Okay, now uh, the next point, point five, is that we now have boldness to enter the Holy of Holies through the better sacrifices of Christ. And this, in verse 19, it says, having brothers, boldness for entering the Holy of Holies in the blood of Jesus. Even in chapter 9, verse 23, it says, It was necessary, therefore, for the examples of the things in the heavens to be purified by these, but the heavenly things themselves by better sacrifices than these. So what the Lord has done by shedding his blood was he opened the way now for us to enter into the Holy of Holies, which Maybe it is not a small thing. Brothers and sisters, I hope we realize the gravity of this matter. That what Christ has done is he opened the way for man, any one of us, any believer, to now at any time of day come into the Holy of Holies because of the blood of Christ. The high priest, he was only allowed to enter in Once a year, and only the high priest was able to enter in. I don't think we always realize what we have here. We not only have, well, it's nice, you know, the Lord has died for us, praise the Lord, but that sacrifice has opened up something which only one person on this entire earth had access to, and only once a year. Now, you and I. Because of the blood of Christ, not because of what we have done, not because of who we are, but because of the blood of Christ, you and I now have access to come into God's very presence, to come into the Shekinah presence, the glory of God, coming into the presence of God, coming to where he spoke to the the high priest. We can have access at any time of day. Any day and not based on what we have done. Yes, like, like Hector said, we'll sin again, and we'll get to some of those verses a bit later on. That's very confusing. It seems that Paul that the, the, the writer of the book of Hebrews is saying, uh, once you know you've 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 sinned willfully, there's no more sacrifice at fee. But actually, that is not it's not referring to us no longer having access to the holy of holies. Actually, as soon as we sin and we take the blood of Christ and we apply the blood of Christ to us, oh, brothers and sisters, we can come forward with boldness. We, we should never, we should never shrink back. Do not allow the enemy to tell us, no, Adrian or Hector or whoever, you know, brother, sister, you are not good enough to come into God's presence. Look at what, have you, what you have done again. Then we should point the enemy and ourselves to the blood. And we can even tell God, Lord, your blood has met all of the father's requirements. All of God's requirements has been met by the blood of your son. I now apply the blood to myself. And thank you, Lord, that when you look at me, you see the blood you don't see me, you don't see what I've done. So we have boldness, that is a boldness, I believe we need to learn to exercise this kind of a boldness, where we can just tell the Lord, we can tell the enemy, and we should tell ourselves, we have access. Okay, in verse 21, it says, and having a great priest over the house of God, Now, here, I'd like to just also uh, emphasize this matter of our spirit, because the house of God is where Christ is. In Revelation 2, he's walking among the lampstands. Maybe it's chapter 1. But anyway, in chapter 1 of Revelation, yes, he's, he's the one walking among the lampstands, right? The lampstands is the churches, and he's caring for the churches. So, The Lord, He's walking among the churches, caring for the churches. But where is the Lord today? He's in the heavens, right? Where else is He? He's in our spirit. Hallelujah. So the Lord is in the heavens, but He's also in our spirit. So in Ephesians 2, uh, verse 22, uh, Paul says that uh, we are. the house in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God in spirit. So, of course, you know, when we're in our flesh, it's not like we're not the the church. You, 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 You can't not be the church, but in a very experiential way, we are not the church as soon as we're in our flesh. When us brothers begin to argue or the sisters begin to, fight with one another or we begin to um, gossip about one another and and slander one another. These things are not happening in our spirit, right? We all agree with that and we all recognize the, the expression of our flesh. So when we are in our flesh, in a way, we're not the house of God. But this is where Christ is. The high priest is caring for the house of God. So you know what happens? It doesn't, the, we, we shouldn't care that much about our environment. Lord, as soon as my environment changes, I will touch you. As soon as the things around me is, is at peace, then I can come forward to the throne of grace. Dear brothers and sisters, may we learn this lesson, that the house of God, where this high priest is caring for us and where he is uh, administrating God's economy, And dispensing grace to us, where we receive the supply into our spirit, is really in our spirit. Because that is where the house of God is today. Amen. Okay, so, point seven. Coming forward to the Holy of Holies. And that is in verse 22. Okay, so here it says, let us come forward to the Holy of Holies. Amen. Amen. So this Holy of Holies is not just a place, but it is also a symbol of the new covenant. So this new covenant age, this age that we are living in. Oh, we don't want to be found in the Old Testament age. You know what? Even though the Lord has come and he's brought in the new age, we can be back in the old age again. But God has terminated the old age. Why would we go back there? We shouldn't go back to what God has left behind and what he has in a way terminated and inaugurated a a new age where we need to enter into what he has inaugurated what he has brought in through the blood through his resurrection he brought in a new age okay and then point eight says holding fast the confession of our hope unwavering so this is in verse 23 which says let us hold fast the confession of our hope unwavering for he who has promised is faithful. Oh, we have a faithful high priest, and uh, I, be, I, 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 I don't know. I hope I realized. Hope is something that um that will still happen, right? But you know what, brothers and sisters. This verse is here. Hope is related to faith. Faith is actually uh, trusting in what God has already accomplished and what he is busy doing and what he is able to do. I appreciate when we went through chapter 7, uh, we saw that Christ as our high priest is able to save to the uttermost. Those who come forward to him. So we need to confess this. We need to hold on to this and we need to confess this. So we need to speak this. This is this is uh God's word. And we should look away from our fickle soul and our fickle self and our sinful nature and all our failures and all our faults. Let us look away from those things and hold fast to our confession. Our, our flesh will waver, it will be up, it will be down. We will be, one day, we'll feel like we're in the heavenlies. The next day, we'll feel like, you know, uh, we're just being uh, Satan's bread today. He's like just eating some dust today. We're just living in the dust. But you know what? There is a hope that is unwavering. that is not based on who we are, that is not based on our failures or our successes. But it is based on an unwavering, faithful high priest who is able. And we have to stand upon God's word. And this is what faith is. Faith is is our, uh, faith even comes by hearing. It is something related to our spirit. It's something that God is putting within our deepest part, in our spirit, that we have a hope that we can hold on to. Okay, then uh, verse 24 says, okay, this is point nine, considering one another for inciting to love and good works. So this is quite something, brothers and sisters. Verse 24 says, let us consider one another so as to incite one another to love and good works. We cannot live the church life by ourselves. If we cut ourselves off from the saints, from one another, from the brothers and sisters, Oh, brothers and sisters, we need to avail ourselves of the fellowship in the body. Do not think that you can live the Christian life apart from the body. It is a dream and it does not exist. You cannot go on without the saints. Do not think that. So so the writer is saying, let us consider one another. We need to consider. Don't just consider yourself. Consider the saints. Consider one another. And in your consideration, incite one another. Not stirring up one another to start a, a you know, a revolt or some kind of thing. No. To love and good works. I was telling my wife this past week, as we deal with Amalek, which signifies the flesh, and we're willing to not only deal with the bad, like Saul did, he destroyed all the worthless, but he kept the good. And if we're willing to see how God views Amalek, and we're willing to deal with our flesh in such a way, you know what? We can speak a straight word to the world, to those who are in the world, and who is not only not believing in God's word, but even abandoning God's word, and, and the truth, and rejecting it utterly. You know what will happen when we are those kinds of people? They will sense real love. They think that love is this kind of, oh, we just need to care for everybody and receive everyone. Love will happen when when we are actually the church, when we are actually living in the Holy of Holies. It doesn't come by, by casting God's word out and saying, we just need to receive everyone. Okay, so we need to have the love of God and good works. These good works are not primarily things that we do for uh, human needs, but these good works are for God's need. These good works are the works that the Father in Matthew 7 will say to us, well done, good and faithful slave. These are not the works that the Lord exposes in, that, in those verses where many will come to me that day and say, Lord, Lord. Did we not cast out demons? Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not do works of power in your name? Then I will say to them, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You didn't do the will of my father. You didn't actually do these good works. You never incited one another to accomplish God's purpose. Okay. And so now, uh, the second last point, 10, is that we should not okay, it's not forsaking the church to sin willfully. Okay, that's what the sinning willfully is referring to, forsaking this, the assembling, the, 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 the coming together. Okay, so the verses say, not abandoning our own assembling together as the custom with some is, but exalting one another. And so much the more, as you see the day drawing near. Isn't this what's happening, brothers and sisters? The day is drawing near. I believe so many of God's children just have this Sense in them the day is drawing near, do not forsake your own assembly together. For when we sin willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, okay, so sinning willfully here is abandoning, like we, 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 God asked, He, he told us, You need to come together, you are the church, you are not allowed to just. Do your own thing. You are now the body of Christ. So you need to come together after receiving the knowledge of the truth. So consider what has been revealed up until now in the book of Hebrews. That's so much I can't, I, I really can't remember it all. But but the but the writer is encouraging through all this, all these chapters that we've seen, all these comparisons between Christ. And the, law, and the angels, and the law, and Aaron, and Moses, and, and Joshua, and all these things, all these things that he's comparing Christ to. You know what? That's what this is referring to. He's telling us, listen, the, the the truth has been revealed to you. You now have the knowledge of the truth. Don't shrink back. Don't go back. The truth has been unveiled to us. If you now forsake the assembling of the saints and you go back to to your previous manner of life, this is you are sinning willfully. Okay, now the last part of this verse, it says, uh, "There no longer remains a sacrifice of bulls and goats for sin." Okay, let me go on to a very no- to another verse that's very difficult, which is twenty nine. By how much do you think he will be thought worthy of worse punishment who has trampled underfoot the Son of God? Okay, so basically what happened is if if we consider that the blood of Christ is not sufficient, then what we're doing is we're actually uh, lowering it and we're trampling it under our feet. And then the next thing is it says, that uh, worthy of worse punishment, who has trampled the son, of, the son of God and has considered the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, a common thing. So now the Son of God is being lowered to the status of an animal sacrifice. And, and, and now his blood is, is on the same level. Yes, the Lord has died for our sins. He has been sacrificed. But what if it wasn't enough? Let me sacrifice another. Uh, maybe if I sacrifice another lamb or maybe some bulls or goats or things, maybe that'll do, be sufficient for God. Satisfaction. No. What you're doing when, you, when you're sacrificing another sacrifice, you're trampling underfoot the son of God, and you're making his blood on the same level as that of animals. Because now you're saying, there's no longer, look, there's uh, there's another, there's, 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 the, the, that, that sacrifice wasn't enough. Oh, now I need to sacrifice another sacrifice. And then lastly, he says, and has insulted the spirit of grace. So now, because of the blood of Christ, the spirit has not come to us. And the spirit is what brings us into all these realities. In the spirit we're actually in the Holy of Holies. We're in the Holy place. In the Holy of Holies, we're at the throne of grace. We have God's presence and we're in the new covenant age. So now the spirit, we're just saying, no, no, no. I'm going to go back to the Holy place. I'm going to go back even outside of that into the outer court and I'm going to put some sacrifices there on the on the bronze altar. Brothers and sisters, we should not forsake these things and we should not willfully go against what God has inaugurated. Okay, so then the last point, uh, I'm going to go down to verses 38 and 39. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul does not delight in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to ruin, but of those who have faith in the gaining of our soul. So unfortunately, uh, we don't have the time now to get into these verses. But basically, we should uh, realize we cannot lose our salvation. Brothers and sisters, it is impossible for you to lose your salvation. However, there uh, we should also not have the view, oh, the Lord has died for me praise the lord i can just do whatever i want now if i go back to my previous judaistic way of life and i sacrifice again and i don't really care for what christ has done and open the way to the holy of holies and i just live my life according to myself or even i go into the world or do not think that there is not a dispensational reward or chastisement you know just like with our children Parents, it's not like they stop loving their kids when they're them. Actually, that is showing their love toward them. So this is what these verses and verse 29 and verses uh, 26 speak about. We will not lose our salvation, but if we are willing to come forward to God, live in the Holy of Holies, be at the throne where God is dispensing grace to us. And we accomplish God's economy in this age by being in this place where we receive all the bequests of the new covenant and we're living in the new covenant age. You know what? We will gain our soul. We will receive the enjoyment of our soul in the coming age. So may we not be those who shrink back, but be those who come forward. Even right now.